welcome to Just for Sport. Jamoke Davis here for the Props Network. We are streaming live on YouTube, Facebook, and Twitch. And of course, you can get this as a podcast as well. We're here for your viewing and betting pleasure. And as I start the show today, we're talking National Football League. I watched a little bit of the, I guess it was like a boat parade yesterday for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And then after Monday's podcast with Joe Yasharoff, where he said he likes the Rams to win the Super Bowl in 2022. Listening to Tony Kornheiser's podcast, he likes the Rams to get to the Super Bowl. And all throughout Monday's show, you know, I was in many ways talking a lot about the Super Bowl that just happened where the Buccaneers beat the Chiefs. But not fully digesting what we saw, how the Buccaneers beat the Chiefs, and what that means for next year's Super Bowl. And it's so early to be talking Super Bowl. I know we just had a Super Bowl on Sunday. But there have been some things that have gone on since then. Even Russell Westbrook sounding off about how he's getting hit too much and You know, maybe he's not getting protected enough. And, you know, now there's chatter about, well, maybe he's not going to be playing for the Seahawks anymore. And they're going to move on. The Washington football team signed Hanky to a new deal. Well, what does that mean for who could win to the Super Bowl? And no, I'm not saying that my Washington football team is going to be anywhere near the Super Bowl. As it stands, they're all the way down at 60 to 1. Yeah, that's not happening. But when I look at what may happen with the Super Bowl next year, 2021-22 season, we all know it starts with the quarterback. It starts with the quarterback. And one quarterback in Mahomes did not play well, or you could say the Bucks defense played better. And I know that they say defense wins championships. I get that. But in my mind, you don't get there without a top-notch quarterback. Now, I know there have been occasionally Super Bowls, Trent Dilfer with the Ravens. No one expect, you know, was thinking that he was a top QB. I mean, heck, talk about my Washington football team. Mark Rippon, Doug Williams, Joe Theismann. Those guys were not on the level of a Aaron Rodgers or Tom Brady. May not even been as talented as Patrick Mahomes. But as I look at the odds for who will win the Super Bowl or who you could pick to win the Super Bowl next year, 
The Chiefs are favored at five and a half to one. Plus 550. Five and a half to one. Yes, they have a quarterback in Patrick Mahomes. If he was healthier, maybe he would have been better. I mean, I don't know if you saw, you know, some of the mic'd up uh, videos from the Super Bowl, but everybody on the Bucks were like, he's amazing. You know, he's falling down, throwing perfect passes. They just couldn't, they just weren't caught. But I am amazed when, when you are looking at the odds, and I am looking at the odds, that I don't know how the team that just won the Super Bowl is not the odds-on favorite to get back. Well, one, because it's hard to repeat. The last team to repeat had the quarterback that just won it. He has been to multiple Super Bowls in his time. And that's Tom Brady. And I just don't know how you can discount Tom Brady right off the bat. I just don't know. So then you've got the Green Bay Packers at nine to one. And I'm looking at their quarterback and it's Aaron Rodgers. And this goes into the fact that when I look at who is the NFL MVP, I am probably in a minority that I think you should wait until the end of the season. But I know it's tough to do that. But I like in some ways how MLB does their championships at the end of the season. I think that's how you should do it. I think that's how you should do it. So Aaron Rodgers is the regular season MVP, but realistically, even if you're a Packers fan, you can't call him the MVP. The MVP just won the Super Bowl. So the Packers at nine to one, when you have a quarterback who after losing to the Buccaneers and Tom Brady, is questioning whether he may retire or, or think about playing for a different team. That's what that's that's my hang up is these quarterbacks are going up against Tom Brady and he's showing you I'm the better quarterback. Because realistically, if you want to talk about offenses and defenses as a whole, we had the two top passing offenses in the Chiefs and the Bucks going into the game, but the final score didn't suggest that. The Chiefs only put up nine points. No touchdowns. No touchdowns. 
So in my mind, and of course the odds makers would say, well, you're stupid. You don't know what you're talking about. Well, the Buccaneers shouldn't be nine to one. They should be five to one. They just won it. And Tom Brady emphatically said on that podium, oh, I'm coming back. We're coming back as a team. Tell me a weakness. Tell me a weakness that you saw in the Bucs. I don't know if you got one. Their defense played great. Their offense looked good. Yes, you can look at the uh, NFC Championship and the divisional game and say, well, there were some turnovers caused by Brady, but I still think 9-1, to I don't know. Ravens, 12-1. to At some point, Lamar Jackson is going to have to put up or shup or people are going to start saying, although they've already kind of said it, that he's overrated. They only put up three points against the Bills. Three points. I don't know about Lamar Jackson right now. I don't. I really don't. And at 12 to 1, you also have the Buffalo Bills. And again, with deciding who should be higher, you tell me, how are they even? I would put the Bills at, <clears throat> excuse me, 10 to 1. I put the Bills at 10 to 1. If you have the Ravens at 12 to 1, I think the Bills are the better team. Josh Allen has proven to be a dynamic quarterback and maybe better than Lamar Jackson. Maybe better than Lamar Jackson. Then you have the Rams at 13 to 1. And we talked about this with Joe Yasharoff, and he seems to think, and there are others, as I mentioned, Tony Kornheiser brought it up too, they're giving the mea culpa to, or a pass to Matthew Stafford, as if what happened in Detroit shouldn't factor into what kind of quarterback you think you're going to get. Yes, it's going to be different. Does he have a better head coach in Sean McVay? Maybe. He certainly seems to have a better defense, but none of the receivers on the Rams were better than Calvin Johnson. They just weren't. And yes, Matthew Stafford had Calvin Johnson on that team in Detroit. And they couldn't get it done. Not all the years. But they couldn't get it done. Couldn't even win a playoff game. I don't see it. But there they are at 13 to 1. 49ers at 14 to 1. I think if I look at a team that I am not quite sure what happened to the 49ers. I mean, man, the last time they were in the Super Bowl, 2013. It doesn't seem, excuse me, 20, 2020, 2013 was with. 
Colin uh, Kaepernick. 2020, can the San Francisco 49ers get back? What's going to happen with Garoppolo? That's my thing. Is he even going to be a 49er? I think it's up in the air what you can expect with that team. That's my take. The Browns are 20 to 1. And they are headed in the right direction. But I don't necessarily feel like I understand the hype there. Can Baker Mayfield get them to the next level? I don't necessarily see it, but I think what we've seen in Kevin Stefanski as the head coach is he's getting the most out of Baker Mayfield and the Browns. But unless you're a Browns fan, no, I'm not putting money on that. Saints, I said it on Monday. I think Drew Brees is coming back at 20 to 1. I like those odds. If Drew Brees comes back, you've got a three-headed monster in quarterbacks, assuming that they're going to keep Winston, and you have Taysom Hill, and you've got Drew Brees. You've got a running quarterback. You've got a quarterback who still has an arm to be able to throw it all the way down the field. And then you've got Drew Brees, the floor general. It would be kind of weird, but that might be my long shot bet to see them get back to the Super Bowl. This is just the beginning of the end for the Seahawks at 22 to 1. I'd almost put money down that Russell Westbrook is not going to be a Seattle Seahawks Seahawk going into next season. Another sleeper team is the Dallas Cowboys at 30 to 1. If Dak Prescott can come back and be the quarterback we were at least starting to see, he was starting to get a rapport with CeeDee Lamb. Ezekiel Elliott is a Pro Bowl running back. Defense wasn't bad. That's a good sleeper pick at 30 to 1. Take it now. Beyond that, I just don't know about these other teams. I mean, you got the Titans 28 to 1, no. Chargers, no. Steelers got to figure out what they're going to do with the quarterback position. They got to figure out what they're going to do with Juju Smith-Schuster. That's a tough one. Well, on the NFC side, you want a sleeper? Cowboys, 30 to 1. Favorite, of course, Chiefs, 5.5 to 1. My sleeper in the AFC might be the Colts at 25 to 1, but no, I just I don't necessarily think it's a 
sleeper pick. But maybe the Browns at 20 to 1. But my favorite overall is the Bucks, 9 to 1. Take it now. Take the Bucks at 9 to 1 to get back to the Super Bowl. Why? Don't bet against the GOAT. Till the GOAT retires. How many times is he going to get you to understand? Don't bet against me. Don't bet against my team, my offensive line, decent running backs, wide receivers. The defense is legit. The defense is legit on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Sam says, could the Bucs get even better? I think they could. The key is, where do they need to get better? Because I think that in many ways, sometimes not making a move can help your team. You've got a good core. I would say, boy, maybe tight end. I mean, Gronk was great in the Super Bowl, but I think you could probably consider that. Heck, Juju Smith-Schuster is a free agent. Maybe if Antonio Brown, you could say thanks. Let's move on from here. Maybe. But there are some good free agents out there. They've got to re-sign Chris Goodwin. Godwin, excuse me. Shaquille Barrett. Maybe, maybe if you wanted to do something different, I think you could say, okay, maybe Leonard Fournette, thank you. Maybe you go after Aaron Jones from the Green Bay Packers. Boy, that would really hurt them. If you're concerned about injuries, because there definitely were some injuries to the receiving core. Now, granted, I'm saying this, and he wasn't necessarily healthy, but you got a Kenny Galladay. You want a young tight end, as I mentioned. You got Hunter Henry from the Chargers. Maybe you can upgrade there. I think because you won a Super Bowl, Levante David, I believe, was the longest tenured Buccaneer. I resign him. Give him, give him one or two more years. I think that offensive line was very good for Tampa Bay. So I think you almost keep as much of the core team the way it is. You keep it the way it is. If you feel like defensively, Marcus May, a safety from the Jets, 
You know, I could see doing that. Maybe, I mean, the key is you had such a talented cornerback. A young cornerback, quarterback, uh, cornerback core, excuse me, in Tampa Bay. I don't know if you want to mess with it. I just really don't know if you want to mess with it. But we'll see. We shall see what we're gonna what's gonna happen here with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But I say when you've got someone like Antoine Winfield Jr., I love I love the piece. So I know it was taunting. I know it was taunting to Tyreek Hill, but Tyreek Hill does it to everybody. How can we get all sensitive when somebody does it to him? Give me a break. Give me a break. They've got a young, a good young core in Tampa Bay on offense and defense. Just ride with the team. Ride with the team. All right, when I come back, we're going to talk about the Australian Open. My predictions. It's been rough going of late. It has with my daily predictions. But I'm never going to stop. I'm going to keep... I'm going to keep making them, but it's been wild. There's no doubt it's been wild. What else has been wild is what we have for you here on the Props Network. We've got the walk-on with Joel Walkowski. He's giving you some daily NBA picks as well that you can go into game night with confidence. He's going to give you some good prop bets, some good over-unders, looking at money lines and he's going to do some crazy things as well like making soup and checking the giving you traffic updates of what's going on outside of his window but check out joe walkowski on the walk on on the props network we've got nba and props with henry and the guys a lot of basketball knowledge there and the NFL is over. So we know, right? Normally it was during Christmas time, but it, you know, I guess with the pandemic, it changed a little bit. Season started late, some different things here, but it's NBA time. And I'm going to get to some of my NBA stuff as well. I'm going to get to my NBA stuff as well. I'm not going to, I'm not changing my rookie of the year pick. But the chances of my my guy, Obi Toppin, winning it, this is dwindling. It's dwindling. It's dwindling. But you got Just for Sport here as a podcast, live. You got NBA picks and props. You got walk the walk-on with Joe Walkowski. We got a lot for you on the Props Network. And obviously, you also go to propsnetwork.com. You can see odds, futures, money lines, over-under on multiple sports, multiple sports. We go here right now. Player futures for the number one overall pick, Trevor Lawrence at minus 6,000. Now see, in my mind, 
there's no way that Jacksonville is going to give up that number one pick. So it's almost like, no, we're good. We're good. But you could still maybe, I don't know, a late trade? Maybe if you're Jacksonville and you're like, you know what? I'll take a Deshaun Watson. I'll take a Russell Westbrook and trade down and get like. Trevor Lawrence is a great, has great potential. But if you could say, I want to take a proven guy in a Deshaun Watson or a Russell Wilson and be able to get some picks back, maybe you do that. Because in the end, it's still a crapshoot with Trevor Lawrence. You never know. You never know. But that's what you can see on the Props Network. There's a lot out there for you. All right. We're talking Australian Open. I'm going to say this right now. My predictions haven't yielded results yet. Now, granted, Dominique Team, I'm team team. He's still out there. Serena Williams, she still can win it. Serena Williams at seven to one. Dominique Team, eight to one. But if you're talking match lines, the funny thing is I probably, and maybe you do this too, I enjoy the Super Bowl just a little bit more. Doesn't isn't When you make a bet, it's a little bit sweeter when you go with your heart. When you go with your gut. I could read all day from different experts of what they're saying and digest that and think about what I want to pick as well and what I am seeing with my own eyes. But it's tough. I remember when I was looking at the first round and trying to make a pick and I said, you could look at the lines, and I said Victoria Azarenka at minus 257, Jessica Pagula at plus 219. In my mind, I said, that's an upset. That's an upset. I see it. I see it. I see it. The better see it. The people who are putting these lines together see it. I got scared. I couldn't do it. I wanted to be right. I wanted to be right. But it was hard to bet against Azarenka. Yesterday, Sophia Kennan. No one saw Sophia Kennan losing yesterday. Sophia Kinnan is the reigning, reigning Australian Open champion. 
she was playing well. I just, when you looked at that game yesterday and you said, she, Sophia Kennan, she won her first match, seven, five, six, four. And you're looking at Kaya Kennepy. She won her first match, six, three, six, one. So when we got to the second round match and I saw that line, Sophia Kennan at minus 132, Canopy at plus 114, my instincts were, oh, Canopy's going to win this. This is an upset. I couldn't pull the trigger. Stan Wawrinka at minus 220 versus Fuchovic at plus 180. Another upset on the men's side. That I'm not going with my gut. I couldn't go with my gut. I couldn't do it. And if you look at the trends the players that are if a player is struggling because they had to go three games to win it that's the first place i'm looking And I know uh, Mark Stern says uh, a sleeper is Benchich on the women's side. She is number 11 seed versus Mertens, the number 18 seed. And if you look at Benchich, this is tough because she's had to go three sets in both of her wins. Mertens won her first game in two sets, 6-1, 6-3. And then she won seven six six one in the second round. So in my mind, that alone, that's a trend that says, okay, Benchich is having a hard time winning her matches. She won her first match six three four six six one. Her second match, which means she lost the second set four six. Her second match was seven five two six six four. So that's a Mertens win, right? It has to be. In my mind, it has to be. And then you look at the line. Now, this game is tomorrow. This game is tomorrow. Elise Mertens is at minus 385. Belinda Bencic is plus 290. I smell an upset. I smell an upset. And for comparison, you look at uh, Serena Williams.
you could maybe pick Anastasia Potapova, but she's at seven plus seven hundred. Serena Williams is at minus 1,115. To me, that's not an upset. If I'm looking at the trend here, you can look at some of these matches and see which ones are closer. And to me, that means, okay, it's more even. Garbine Muguruza is at minus 1,250 against Zarina Diaz at plus 800. Muguruza is going to win. Naomi Osaka is at minus 670 to Anz Jabor at plus 460. But you can find some value here in some of these other matches that are a little bit closer or you can smell an upset. And adding that with following the trends, because for me and for you, when similar to, you kind of know when an NBA season is starting, it's a little different from NBA, NFL, MLB, where it's a team sport versus an individual sport. You don't have much to go on along with the pandemic. These players are pretty much just starting to play tennis like two weeks ago. So you don't, you're, you don't know what you're going to get. There's a qualifier. A qualifier that's in the third round. And now she's going up against Jennifer Brady. Kaya Yuvan at plus 400. Jennifer Brady is at minus 560. Jessica Pagula, unranked, beats Victoria Azarenka. Then Samantha Stozer. And she won both of those matches 7564 of Azarenka, then 6061. Over Stozer. Now she's playing Ladinovich. You could say that Jessica Pagula is more on the roll. She hasn't dropped a set. Yesterday, I had it wrong. It's been tough. Coco Golf. she lost to Svitolina. I thought maybe she could make a run, but she's fallen off a little bit. There are more non-ranked players than I expected going into the third round on the women's side than I expected. 
on the men's side, Dominique Team has a very, very tough match that I am pretty nervous about because he's going up against the hometown favorite, Nick Kyrgios. I'm not a Nick Kyrgios fan. He's a wild guy, very wild. He's a very wild guy. And you never know what you're gonna get out of him. And as we talked about on Monday, on our Australian Open pregame show last Thursday, Nick Kyrgios's mouth, his off-court and sometimes on-court antics may have more value than his actual game because he's not even ranked in this tournament. There is a qualifier that's still alive that's going to be playing uh, Schwartzman. Diego Sebastian Schwartzman versus Aslan Karatsev. That matches at plus 210 for Karatsev versus Schwartzman at minus 275. But in the third round on the men's side, there are more favorites still alive and I expect the favorites to move on. The odds seem to be a little closer on the men's side in some cases but if you judge on the fact that in the end it comes down to a Federer, Nadal or Djokovic always in the final but the last Australian Open had Dominic Team. Dominic Team won the last Grand Slam in the U.S. Open. I expect him to get back to the finals this year. This may be the beginning of it. This may be the beginning of it. But I think overall, on the women's side is where there's more chances of an upset. The talent pool, the top talent pool is greater on the women's side than on the men's side. Yes, Serena Williams has been dominant. But I do in 
many ways look at the history of the number of different champions you've had on the women's side compared to the men. And I don't see that changing now. I don't see it changing now. Later on on social media, I'm going to do my daily pick. I've got one for tonight, so I will do that. All right, coming up, we're going to talk National Basketball Association. and talk a little bit about the futures for Rookie of the Year and MVP. And MVP. All right, so if you're listening to this, you're a fan of the Props Network. You like our content, or maybe you just like Just for Sport, which is fine, and I appreciate it. But I would also ask you to give some of our other content a try. We've got NBA Picks and Props, where they discuss some of the same things that I'm going to talk about, but you get a different perspective. Someday I feel like we all need to get on the show and just talk basketball. But they think differently than I do. So like when I went on NBA Picks and Props and I broke down how you cannot pick a team that their best player is the point guard to win the NBA championship. It just doesn't work that way. It is rare. Your best player normally cannot be the point guard. Steph Curry, an anomaly. Magic Johnson, an anomaly. Now I'm going to ask you, and the reason I brought those two players up is because look at that time span between teams that had their point guard as their best player and they won especially more than one NBA championship. Doesn't happen. Doesn't happen. Not that often. So you can check out NBA Picks and Props. They have a lot of great discussions on basketball. They do some game picks, some props as well, picks and props. But you can get some knowledge. Get some knowledge to help you make, help you make a good pick, good bets. And then Joe Walkowski on the walk-on, and he also does some NBA uh, betting as well. And we all got great knowledge. We've all, we're all bringing something different to the table, and that's what I like the most about it. You're getting different flavors. You can mix it up a little bit. We all have our different opinions. It all comes from a good place. We all have our, you know, our knowledge of the leagues. So check out our Props Network content on YouTube, Facebook, Twitch. Also on social media, at the Props Network on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. We got a lot of great content for you. And then lastly, check out thepropsnetwork.com where you can see betting lines as well, futures, 
You can see across the board what you can get on points bet, DraftKings, FanDuel to get the odds that you want. The odds that you want to go with when you're making your betting picks. So check out the propsnetwork.com and our content. All right, last thing I'm talking about today is the National Basketball Association. And in talking NBA, where do you see the rookie of the year going? Is it LaMelo Balls already? Is that it? We're done. Because what he's doing in Charlotte, I wouldn't say it's necessarily revolutionizing the game. Am I saying that word? I feel like I can't talk. But he's a different cat. I mean, if you even watch him in that first preseason game, he had that behind-the-back, no-look, well, it wasn't really kind of a no-look pass. I just think he's just so talented. But the question also comes into play for me is... How much the standings, where your team, how they are performing should play into it. How it should play into it. The mellow ball is the odds on favorite at minus 400. You can get Tyrese Halliburton at plus 400. So there's more value in picking, not picking LaMelo Ball. James Wiseman with the Golden State Warriors uh, hasn't been playing much lately. He's at 12 to 1. And I look at the Golden State Warriors and what we see. Obviously, we see the greatness in Steph Curry. But more and more games that Wiseman is not playing. That's that's what. What would concern me? That he's, you can't count on wise men in any way whatsoever to get rookie of the year unless he turns it around. The last game he played was January 30th. He's had some flashes of 
brilliance, a 25-point game against Minnesota, and Anthony Edwards, another potential rookie of the year. But I want to see some competition. Don't you want to see some competition? If I'm looking across the board at Rookie of the Year, and I'm getting it here shortly up on thepropsnetwork.com. I don't know if any other players have a shot. Emmanuel quickly has played very well of late. He's at 16 to 1. But looking at the team aspect of it, the Charlotte Hornets are playing better. And the New York Knicks, Emmanuel Quickly's averaging 11 points per game, 2.3 rebounds, 2.7 assists. He's cooled off a little bit. In some ways, you kind of don't know what you're going to get out of him. I mean, at Miami, he plays 21 minutes and only seven points. Two of nine from the field, 22% field goal percentage, not good. But he only played 13 minutes against Portland and had 12 points. Almost a point a minute. Maybe it's just a Miami thing. The last two games have been against Miami. 21 minutes, 7 points. 17 minutes, 5 points. So there's some inconsistency there. If you look at February, the beginning of February is back-to-back at Chicago. 13 minutes, he has 9 points. 30 minutes, he has 16 points. He's shown some flashes But I think in the end, not only is he going to prove to be the best ball player, but I think it's LaMelo Ball. He's averaging 14 points per game, 5.8 rebounds per game, and 6.1 assists. His last, even if you just looked at his last five games, 17 points, 24 points, 19 points, 34 points, 22 points. Now, they only won two of those five games. Almost had a triple-double versus Houston. But overall, he's, he's just played really well. And he's an exciting player. And I also think when you look at 
what may be one of the reasons why he is better than every other rookie very well may be because of his path to get to the NBA. Playing overseas in Europe and Australia after playing at a top high school. He's got more experience in some ways playing against professional players in a league. Grown men is more where I'm going with it. Because obviously we're not going to act like an Australian basketball league is maybe it's not necessarily better than college here. But there's something to be said for what he has, his path, what he has done to get here, where he has played to get here. And I think it does. You look at Luca and how well Luca played as a rookie. And most of the reason why he was picked by Dallas was because Hey, he's playing against, he's been playing against grown men in the professional league a lot earlier in his life than the college players. And I think that's one of the reasons why LaMelo Ball's game has translated well to the NBA. And he very well may be the top ball player, period. I think he very well may be the top ball player in that family. So, in the end, I don't know if there's anyone who can catch LaMelo Ball unless LaMelo Ball, which I don't even want to say it because I feel like I'm going to jinx it and I don't want to jinx it, but you know. Let's just hope everyone stays healthy. That's what we want to see. But the Charlotte Hornets at 12 and 14. Seventh seed if the playoffs started right now. Things are looking bright in Charlotte, North Carolina. And most of that is due to LaMelo Ball. And I think he's going to end up getting Rookie of the Year. But it's early. It's early. That'll do it for Just for Sport today. Hope you enjoyed the show. Talked a little NBA, NFL, and Australian Open. Three favorite sports. We'll be back on Monday. Maybe a different, little bit of a different format. Maybe a little bit of a different format. But I hope in the end, this has been good for your viewing and betting pleasure. Ciao for now.